meal afterwards. It's $10 for a family, and all the money goes to sending our kids to camp. Uh, camp is one of the most important things we do as a church, and so we want to make sure that every single one of our kids gets to go to camp. So uh, if anything, come and eat some good food and help kids go to camp. But we'd love for you to be there just to be a part of the business meeting um, because it's, it really is an important thing that we're doing uh, as a church. We'd love for you to be there. Also, too, if you're new to the church or if you've been here for a while, next week is our Discover City Life, and uh, that is a chance for you just to come and uh, after service, uh, meet with us, talk with us. You can ask me any question you want about the church. You can ask our leadership any question. Uh, again, we're going to eat because <laughs> food's important, right? Come on, let's be serious here. Food's important. Uh, yeah, we love eating. Jesus loved eating, and we follow Jesus, right? So... So, uh, so we're going to eat, and then we're going to just have a chance just to talk about who we are as a church, what we're doing as a church. It's an opportunity if you're looking to serve in the church or become a member uh, or join a life group or anything like that. Just find out more about the church. This is your moment to connect with us. It'll be right here after service. Um, we've got child care covered. We've got food covered. So please um, be there for that. We'd love for you to be a part. Good stuff? All right, well, before we jump into God's word, let's pray. God, we pray that you just be with us here in this moment. Lord, as we jump into your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, guide us and direct us, sharpen us, and make us like you. Father, we thank you so much for that. God, we pray that you strengthen us as a church and help us to be bold in all that we do. And Father, I know it was 70 today, but we want more snow, so make it happen. Amen. All right. All my snow people said yes. And everybody else, you quiet. All right. So, hey, here's what we're talking about. It's our sermon series we've been in. It's called, What Is This All About? Uh, this is a sermon series we've been going over the past two months. I will be done next week, and everybody that hasn't enjoyed it will say amen. So we're going to be done next week, but we're going to be uh, just walking. We have been walking through the core values of our, our church. These are not just core values that are to us uniquely, but they are biblical things that we can pull out and say as a follower of Christ. These are things that we should see in our life, but also as a church. These are things that should guide us and direct us. Core values for an organization core values for a family or for you as a person. If you don't have those, I encourage you to think about what are the things that matter to me? What are the things that are valuable to me? What are the things I want to commit myself to? It's important to do that. When an organization does not have a set, clear, defined set of core values, what happens is, is oftentimes we know our why, so why do we exist, what are we doing, uh, so our why and our what can oftentimes be clear to us, but if we don't have a clear how, then what happens is, is people's opinions or ideas or opportunities or different things that come in our way begin to drive what we're doing, and we end up off of the mark of our why. And when that happens, discouragement abounds. When that happens, chaos abounds, and we don't want to be in that place. Core values, what they are is core values help to uh, shape your culture and determine behavior. So as you're going through and you're making decisions as an organization, you're not just basing it off of feelings or opinions or ideas or hopes, but you're able to go through and say, this is what we are committed to, and this is how we're following that out. So as you're walking through life, there will be situations that come up, and you've got boundaries to help protect you and keep you focused on where you're going. Does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about. That's what we're walking through. If you don't have them personally, do it. If you, have, if you don't have them as a family, sit down. Write down some core values. Uh, if you don't know what they are at your church, 
church, if you go to another church, find out those core values, understand them, commit to them, and foster unity in your family or in your church because it will make a huge difference. As a church, our why, this is our why, this is the why for every church, and we can put it in different words, and we can make it look pretty a thousand different ways, but as a church, what the church is that Jesus set us out to do is our why is to bring glory to God so that others can come to know him. And everything that we do, that's our why as a church, is to bring glory to God so that others can come to know him. So that is our why. Our what as a church, what we want to do as a church is we want to help develop people to live a meaningful and purposeful life. We want people to see, there's a phrase that we say, heaven now, heaven forever. That walking with Christ as a disciple is not just to bear and grit your teeth through this life and be bored out of your mind. And then one day when you finally get to die, you get to go to heaven and then everything's going to get good. Right? That's not what it is. If that's what Christianity is to you, or if that's what was sold to you, hey, listen, that's not what it is. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I've come so that you can have a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. There is in this reality now that though, as Jesus said, we will face trials, nothing will be perfect. We're going to go through situations where we're discouraged, where we're upset, where we're hurting. All of that stuff is going to be there. But in the midst of those things, we can know joy, we can know peace, we can have confidence, we can walk with boldness. And in the midst of those things, we can find the abundant grace and love of Jesus Christ. That in this moment, in the bad and in the good, that this life can be rich, it can be satisfying, it can be fun, right? Come on. Church should be fun. Christianity should be fun. Following Jesus should be the most exhilarating, incredible, awesome thing that we do in this life. That's what it is. So our what as a church is we want to, the reason we have church on Saturday nights, the reason that we do different things is to help foster a sense in people that you have a purpose and that your life now should be meaningful, full, and abundant. So our what is to help people see that, to bring glory to God, to help others know that. So our how is what we're going through and talking about. We've hit many different ones through the series. Last week we just finished up on participation leads to transformation. Participation leads to transformation. I don't know if it's just me, but it sounds super echoey, so I don't know if we can, if it's just me, I'll get over it. But participation leads to transformation is what we talked about last week. And here's what we believe as a church. We believe as a church that we should have a wide open door to allow people to participate in anything that we do as a church. So, and I, let me clarify on that. I do say we protect our kids, right? So we're not just like, come on, yeah, watch our kids. But anything that you do. So if, if you're saying, hey, I want to know more about this God and I want to experience a community that is centered around Christ, if there's something that God's given you as a talent or God's given you something, a desire, or an opportunity to serve in, we want people to feel the freedom to participate because we know once you get engaged in doing the things that God's created you for and called you to, that you're only going to experience growth through those things. So we want to encourage that. If you are in a place where you feel like your life has stalled out or your walk with Christ has stalled out or it seems a little bit boring, you need to find a place to participate because if you participate in the things that God's doing, he will transform you and transform your situation. He will transform your attitude. He will transform your mind. He will make you new, but it's on us to jump in and participate in the things that God is doing. Smith Wigglesworth, an awesome, incredible, crazy guy, he says this, if it's in the Bible, it is so. 
It's not even to be prayed about. I love that, right? So many times we're just like, oh, the Bible says that. Let me pray about it a little bit. No, no. If it's in the Bible, it shouldn't even be prayed about. It's to be received and acted upon. Listen to this. This is so important for us to hear. Inactivity is a robber which steals blessings. Increase comes by action, by using what we have and know. Your life must be one of going on from faith to faith. Too many of us, we find ourselves in a place where our walk with Christ is not what he desires it to be or even what we desire it to be. And it's not because we don't know enough. It's not because you haven't prayed enough. Maybe we could all pray more. It's not because you haven't read your Bible enough. Maybe we should all do that a little bit more. It's not because you haven't given enough. It's because we're not participating. We're not eagerly jumping into the things that God's given us to do. The unique things that he set before us to do, the dreams that he has for us, the opportunities we have to declare his glory in a conversation, in our family, in our workplace, in our home, in our schools. We haven't jumped at those opportunities. And in fact, what happens is, is we get complacent, we get inactive. And as we get inactive, guess what happens? You get a little bit older, you get a little bit weaker, and then all of a sudden you don't even want to try. And then you find yourself in a place where you don't even know where you are and why you should even keep going. But when you live a life of faith and you're, com you're committed and you're just saying, hey, where's God at? What God is doing? I love in John chapter 5, verse 17, we've been talking about that Jesus was getting ridiculed by the Pharisees because he was picking out some wheat during a Sunday. And they were like, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. And he's like, listen, my father's at, always at work and so am I. God's always doing something. No matter what's happening, he's always at work in every situation. And it's our job to say, where's he at? What's he doing? I want to be a part of that. And if we live that type of life, I'm telling you, it's so full, it's meaningful, it's satisfying, it's abundant, it's incredible. And that's the life that God wants to live you to live. It's the life that he wants you to know him in, not one of inactivity. Because I'm just telling you, inactivity, it is never good for anybody. Uh, we just recently, uh, I was online and on Amazon because come on, Amazon, that's a whole new addiction, isn't it? All kinds of stuff on Amazon. So I was on Amazon, I was scrolling, and I've been wanting a digital scale now for a while, you know, to weigh ourselves on because I'm getting a little bit older, and as I get closer to 40, my metabolism, <laughs> can't even say that word, my metabolism is, is decreasing, and so I can't eat like I used to. But my head, I'm still 22 and can eat Taco Bell anytime I want to, right? And so, so I, I'm having to change some things. And so our scale, I'm just like, you know what? This thing's got to be broken. It's got to be wrong. And so I want a scale that tells me where I'm really at. And so I get this digital scale. And so we get it to the house. And so um, Michelle, she texts me. She's like, hey, it doesn't work. It's wrong. And I was like, what do you mean it's wrong? And so like I get home and I get on there. And I was like, whoa, that's eight pounds on the wrong way. Yeah, I think it is broken. And so I was going to the doctor right afterwards, and so I get to the doctor, and it said exactly what that scale said. And I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> it's right. <laughs> Our other scale was wrong. <laughs> uh, so I was already, I thought, was at my heaviest, and now I got to add eight pounds to that, right? And so it, what happens is, is as we get inactive, right? As we get sedentary in our physical life, we get to a place where that could actually cause harm to us. Many of you don't know the story. I won't go into the story again, but I'm actually standing here holding this microphone a certain way because I have a broken elbow. 
because I was trying to play basketball with a bunch of people that are bigger, better, and younger than me, right? And I hadn't played basketball in a long time. I've gotten older, I've gotten frailer, I've gotten slower, I've gotten weaker, and I go out there and I bust up my elbow just because I fell on the ground, right? If you're more active, if I was stronger, if my arms were stronger, if I wasn't 18 pounds heavier than I should be or whatever, then I probably wouldn't have had a broken elbow, right? It's the same thing in our walk with Christ. If we get to a place where we allow ourselves to be inactive, what happens is, is things inside of us become less aware of who God is and what he's doing. They become duller to the things that God's doing. And what happens is instead of just sitting in that place, we're actually losing ground, We're not just staying, we're actually losing ground in our pursuit of Christ. And we're going to miss and miss and miss. And then we get to this place of ultimate discouragement. That's not where God wants you. And where he wants you is, is doing and being a part of the things that he's doing, right? So participation leads to transformation. For me, it's a big thing for us as a church to say, where is it that God wants you to serve? Because each and every single one of us, we see all throughout scripture that each and every one of us, in First Peter it tells us that we all have a gift, and our gift is meant to be used. So where is it you're supposed to serve in the church? Where is it you're supposed to serve in your community, in your home? How are you supposed to serve your spouse? How are you supposed to serve your parents? Hey, how are you supposed to serve your teachers? Like, where are you at? What are the things that you can do to be engaged and say, this is where God's working, and this is where he's placed me to help someone else see how awesome he is. When you step into those moments and look at life that way, it changes everything about you. And I love this quote right here. I kind of think I found the guy that actually came up with it. It's one of those quotes that multiple people have claimed to, but a guy named Philip Stanhope. He's the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. He said, if something is worth doing, it is worth doing well. If something is worth doing, it is worth doing well. Tonight, the, one of the first things that we're going to be talking about, we're going to try to hit three core values quickly. One is, is that excellence determines value. Excellence determines value. If something is worth doing, it is worth doing well. If you have a gift, if you have an opportunity, if you have a responsibility, my son, he's 11, he's in fifth grade, he's getting ready to go into sixth grade, get to talk to him all the time, that, ho- that homework Come on, students, where are we at, right? Homework, it's not just something that has to get done. It's your opportunity to grow, right? It's not just your opportunity to grow, but it's your opportunity to serve your teacher, right? If you do well in your homework and you do well in those things, you're going to be well in the class. You get to be a leader in the class. You get to be a leader in your school and in your environment, and God gets to use you in those things. Don't look at homework as a responsibility that just has to get done. Look at it as an opportunity and do it to the best of your ability. So I look at them all the time, right? Like, hey, erase that. I can't tell if that's a G, a 9, a 6, an E, whatever that is. Fix it, right? Do it the best you can because if you're doing it and it's a responsibility you have, do it to your best of your ability. In Titus chapter 2, verse 7, it says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In what? Say that again. In everything. Some of you got it in your notes right there in front of you. It's all right. So in what? Everything. In something? Everything. In a couple things? 
in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity and seriousness. I love it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. He goes on again to reference Titus, that Titus is there with the Corinthian church to help them what? The church in Corinth. He's helping them to excel in the things that they're doing. He's saying, you already excel. You're excellent in so many things that you do, and I want you to excel even more in the area of giving. So I've got Titus, a person who excels, who does well with everything that is given to him. I've got him in that place to help the uh, to help you excel. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And whatever you do or say. Listen, this, this is a big thing, right? Because sometimes we get into it, it's like, hey, I really like this sport. Or I really like this job. Or I really like this relationship. And we give ourselves to those. Listen, as a follower of Christ, everything we are set to do, everything we are called to do, everything we are given to do, in the big things, in the small things, in the boring things, in the exhilarating things, in all of those things, we are to do them with a sense of excellence and commitment. Why? Because... When something matters to you, you do your best with it. Excellence determines value. Too many times people can look at a person who says they are a Christian, and when they look at that person, they see apathy, they see discouragement, they see displacement, they see an attitude that says, I don't care. That's not something that is going to encourage or inspire someone to follow the God that you say you follow. Right? If you go out and you say, hey, listen, this is my job, and I love my job, and I'm committed to my job, but you never show up to your job, and you're never there on a regular basis, and you're not doing your best, and you use your sick days to the maximum, and when you are there, you find different ways to escape out of responsibility. Are you going to have an opportunity at that point to excel in that job? No. Is anybody going to look to you to encourage them to excel in that job? No, right? So do you value your job in that place? No. But if you go into a place and you want to be the best that you can be, not just for you, but you go in and you do everything you can, as well as you can, as committed as you can, as passionate as you can, you give yourself to every opportunity, every task that you're given. They tell you to sweep, and you sweep those floors like they've never been swept before. I mean, you just work that broom and there's nothing left, right? And they come in and they're just like, wow, that's amazing. They give you something else. Yes, I want to do that. Guess what? People now want your voice to be a voice that's speaking into their life. They see that you value your job, and as you value your job through your demonstration of excellence, they give you more opportunity and more responsibility. Our passion is what determines our influence in everything that we do. Our passion and our commitment to what it is that we do, it determines our influence in everything. And as a follower of Christ, we have to stop compartmentalizing our life and saying, this is what church is and this is what life is. No, our life as a follower of Christ is all blended together that everything we do, if it's flipping burgers at In-N-Out. Do you guys like In-N-Out from California? Man, Jesus, pray for you. All right. So... Right? If it's, it's flipping burgers in and out, whatever it is, man, do it to the best of your ability. Why? Because God's placed you there. 
God has given you a purpose. God has given you a destiny. And you're like, one day I'll get there. No, where you are right now will determine where you will get one day. Give yourself 100% to where you are because there is a place where you are. They're in that place where you are. God wants to do something to shape you, and he wants to do something through you to shape others so that people can see how good he is, how great he is, and how wonderful he is. If you know who Jesus is, if you like me, if you like many of us in this room, you have encountered Jesus, and he changed your life. Like he made you new, and you still can't get over it. If that's a life that you have and you know who Jesus is, there is something about him that compels you to give everything you've got to this life that he's called you to live. And what we need to do is we need to give ourselves an excellence to the things that God's doing. Because if we're representing God, we, would sh we should show our value of him by doing things with excellence. In Hebrews chapter, or in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, work with enthusiasm. That word there in most translations is translated goodwill. It's to be helpful. It's to be cooperative. To understand, to work, that God has given you something to do to help bring about his desire and his purposes. All his eternal dreams that he's done from the beginning of time to bring mankind into relationship with him. To be helpful, to participate in the things that God's doing so that people can come to know him as though you were working working for the Lord rather than for people. Man, do your best. Do your best. If you're a follower of Jesus, I don't care how young you are or how old you are. I don't care if you've got a thousand friends on Facebook or if you've got two. If you need another one, Jamie Bell, four. All right, and I'll be a friend. But I don't care where you are and I don't care what you understand your level of influence to be. God knows who you are. God has placed you in this timeline in history for a reason and for a purpose. There is something he wants to do in your life, and there's something he wants to do through your life. Will you open yourself up to the things that God wants to do, and will you give yourself to them? Maybe one day you want to be a CEO of a business. Maybe one day you want to get promoted at your job so that you can be the boss. Maybe one day you want to start a business. Maybe one day you want to, wherever you are, that dream can happen if you give yourself to where you are in this moment. With whatever you have, wherever you are, give yourself 110%. You will never lose out if you work where you are for God's glory in that place. He will open doors that will blow your mind. But if you allow yourself to get in a place of inactivity, waiting for something to happen, you'll never get there at all. Give yourself. Give yourself with everything you've got and be passionate about the things you're doing. All right, quickly. So here as a church, how we demonstrate excellence in our community that shows that we are our value of Christ, our esteem of Christ. What are some things that we're going to do? One, we need to understand that all that we do, we do for God's glory. All that we do, we do for God's glory. Listen, excellence is obedience. It's for God's joy. Here's the best way to think about it. When I give my son or my daughter something to do and they do it and they do it super well, man, I'm so proud of my kids and I love them. The other day, Michelle, she woke up from, uh, you know, from sleep and she came downstairs and as she came down the stairs, the kids had cleaned the whole house. I mean, like swept, mopped, like used all of our liquid and everything, right? But like they've dusted, they did all this different stuff and like they went above and beyond without even being asked. She instantly, she was texting me. She's like, our kids are so awesome. They're so incredible. Like they did this, right? We love delighting in our children when they do things well. 
When your friends do something really well, you're at their sporting event, you're at their basketball game, and you see them see the shoot an incredible three, or if they're at a volleyball game, where's Philip at? And you spike the ball in somebody's face, right? You stand up and you cheer, right? You get pumped up because why? They did something well, right? They're committed to it, and we celebrate it, we delight in it. God delights in the things that you do for him when you do them well. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect every time. If you completely, royally mess it up and you just screw everything up and it just falls apart, he still loves you and he's still there, right? But just because that's true doesn't mean we shouldn't give it our best. Give it your best because it's for his glory. He wants to see you win. He wants to see you thrive. Next, excellence can only be achieved through humility. Excellence can only be achieved through humility. Because here's what excellence is. Excellence is an understanding. We're doing it for God's glory. And whatever I'm doing, I'm doing because God gave it to me to do. And as a follower of Christ, we also believe that not only did he give me to do it, but everything that I have the ability to do it with is what he's given me as well. You tracking with me on that? Everything that we do, the only reason we get to do it is because of Jesus. So the opportunity, because of Jesus. The strength, because of Jesus. The wisdom, because of Jesus. The insight, because of Jesus, right? It's all because of Jesus. And so we have to walk in a sense of humility, understanding what it is that God has called us to do. And so it cannot become a comparison game. Oftentimes when we commit ourselves to doing the best that we can, it becomes about comparing ourselves to our equals or to those that are above us. So we get to a place where we can say, listen, I'm doing really good because look at them. That is not what excellence is. Excellence is actually to compare yourself against yourself. Where was I yesterday and where am I at today? That's what excellence is. In Galatians chapter 6, 4, it even tells us this, to pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourselves to anyone else. Give yourselves to what you're doing for God's glory and commit to it in a sense of humility to know that God has given you the opportunity and walk out in that faithfully. Now, people, a lot of times they accuse me because I am an A-type person. Where am I A-type people at? Where am I, like, anti-A-type people? All right. So this is going to drive you crazy, right? You go and you look in my closet. My hangers in my closet are all equally spaced out. I can tell you how many finger widths apart each and every one of my hangers are. My shirts and jackets are color-coordinated, and they are in order by solids, squares, stripes. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All my brown belts are hanging on the same hanger. All my black belts are hanging on. My shoes are color-coordinated, right? I love it. I'm A-type. So people oftentimes say, hey, listen, this matters to you, and you see this as a principle because that's the way you think. And though it is true, it's something that each and every one of us should do, that we recognize, listen, this thing, us doing our best, it's not about being best just for best sake. It's not about beating somebody out. It's for God's glory. And so excellence is about humility, and excellence is not the goal that we're set out to do as a follower of Christ. Excellence is about change lives. 
It's about saying, I'm going to do my best. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm not going to be like grade A, superior at everything that I do. But if I give my best for glory, for God's glory, knowing that it's something that he's given me, and I'm just excited to be a part of it, and you live your life that way, you're going to be walking in meaning and, and purpose and desire and opportunity and abundance, and you're just going to be living just full on for God. And you understand that the reason you're living that way and God's blessed you to live that way is so that others can come to know him as well. That's what it's about. It's not about I'm better and you're not. It's about he's awesome and he wants you to know him as well. It's about changed lives. It's about giving ourselves to it. So we don't want to compare ourselves to the church down the street or the church that we rent the building from. Right? They are advancing the kingdom in the unique way that God has created them to and called them to. They are not our competition. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when Pastor Mark excels and does something well, guess who his biggest champion is? City Life Church. When the church down the street that we don't even rent from, that we don't even talk to, when something awesome happens, what do we do? We celebrate their victories and the things God's doing for them because why? When somebody wins for the kingdom, we all win. And so we commit to celebrating and recognizing that God is at work and that he is faithfully doing something and that he's called each and every one of us to have a place in it. So we give our best to it. We do that by being intentional. We do that by being intentional. Know what matters. Listen, know what matters. When you walk through life and you see the things that are in front of you, be intentional about the things you're doing. Know that the job that you have, the school that you're at, the, 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 the classroom that you're in that you don't want to be in, studying things that you think are ridiculous, it matters to do your best, and it matters for your life. The coworker that you're sitting next to that you wish would just go away so life could be better, it matters that you love them best for God's glory and for them to come to know him. Know what matters. Be intentional about reaching out to them. Be intentional about how you say things to them. Be intentional in your life. Know what matters. Plan ahead. Understand how the small details affect the big picture. I can't tell you enough. Like, I've been talking to my son right now. Is you know, he's becoming 12, and, you know, he's smarter than I am, and he's got all kinds of awesome things going on in his life. And just talking to him and just saying, listen, buddy, listen, where you are right now and the things that you're learning right now, if you can learn them and get them stuck in your heart right now, I'm telling you, it will save you a world of hurt. It will save you a world of discouragement. Understand what you're learning right now. It's just not something that you've got to just get through. It's an opportunity to shape you so you can be the person that you want to be. I was talking to him, and I, you know, I was telling him just a situation he was going through, and he's like, Dad, he's like, but look how awesome you are, and you really messed up when you were a teenager. And I was like... It's true. It's true. And I like that. I like that strategy right there. But can I just tell you, because of the years of inactivity that I walked through, the years of discouragement, the years of insecurity, the years of doubt, the years of worry that I walked through, well into my adult life, I was suffering the consequences of inactivity and not giving my best. I was like, Braden, he wants to be a pastor too one day. He said, and so I said, Braden, I said, if you want to be a pastor one day, when you're 24, 12 years from now, it's not about what you're going to be doing in that moment. It's about what God's doing in your life right now. Be intentional about becoming that pastor. You'll be 10 times the pastor I am day one 
if you get these things now and you give yourself to the work of God for his glory in this moment. Be intentional. Understand the small details affect the big picture. Take notice of the things that people shouldn't notice so they can give their full attention to what matters. And also, too, listen, this is an important one. Simplify. Too many times as Christians, we get too many things going on, too many things as a church. We got too much going on. We keep adding, adding, adding. Oh, that was good. We did good at that. So let's keep doing that. Oh, there's a new opportunity. Let's do that. Go through your life as a Christ follower. You're like, oh, I got this going on. I got this going on. I got this going on. I got this. And we pride ourselves on how busy we are. Busyness is not success. Doing a lot of things at one time is not excellence. Knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and doing it well is excellence. And you've got to cut out too many things to focus on the main things and the important things in your life. We've got to go through and simplify. Be intentional about that. Excellence, I want you to hear this as a quote. Excellence is not a skill. It is an attitude. Excellence is not a skill. It's an attitude. I'm going to blow through these real fast. Number one, passion and commitment. Passion and commitment. Take pride in what you do and who you are. We sing tonight, you're a child of God. And that verse, man, every time we sing it, I'm a child of God. You parted the sea so that I could walk through it. Man, I cannot dance. I've got no rhythm at all. And I'm like all awkwardly shaking up here because I'm just like, yes, that's what it is, right? I'm a child of God. And he has called me to live this life. And he's empowered me to live this life through his Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to run. I'm going to do this. It's an attitude. Have passion and commitment because you are a child of God. He's called you he loves you he's purposed you he's destined you go and do the things he's called to and do them well with passion and commitment i'm telling you this you can make up a lot for the things you fail at with a lot of passion and commitment i would love to surround myself with people that fail on a regular basis but they do it with all of their hearts because those are dreamers those are people that are willing to step out and do the things that nobody else is willing to do. And in the process, they learn and they grow and they commit themselves to the things that God is doing. Do it with passion and commitment. Go the extra mile. You're going to have to write quick. Go the extra mile. Do what it takes and refuse to make excuses. Go the extra mile. Do what it takes and refuse to make excuses. So the thing I've been saying lately is meaningful is masterful. Whatever you're doing, if you're doing because it's meaningful to you and you're trying to make it something that is meaningful to others, you will do it well. You will do it well. Always celebrate. This is the last way we can do excellence as a church. Always celebrate. Listen, God's always at work. People are always doing things. We got to celebrate. Christians should be known for being the happiest, most passionate, most excited people on the planet. Just in case you don't know, we don't really have that rap. At least on the East Coast. Maybe the West Coast got it figured out. <laughs> Come on, let's turn that around. Let's celebrate the things that others are doing that God's called them to do. Let's excel in the things that he's called us to do. All right, here's the next one. We're going to blow through this one quick. Embrace change. This is a core value that we've got to lock in as followers of Christ and as a church. We've got to embrace change. So we've got to be flexible. Flexibility is important. Jesus himself, he was an innovator. He was a change agent. He came on the scene and he messed everything up. What they thought was left, Jesus said, no, it's right. What they thought was up, Jesus said, no, that's down. Jesus was a change agent and he called people to follow him. And as a leader that was initiating change, he fostered a flexible group of people around him. 
We've got to be flexible and look at the things that are in front of us. And we must reorder our thought process and say, how can I look at this differently? How can I approach this in a different way or with a different heart? How can I be flexible to allow God to work in this moment or to use me in this moment? We've got to be flexible, and we do that by embracing change. Secondly, we evaluate and improve. Evaluate and improve. Look at what you did. Look at it. This is what happened, this was good, this was bad, and find ways to improve. Even if you did the best that you could, there's always a way to improve. Evaluate and improve. Make sure that you understand the, the, the things that God wants you to do, it's not about the product. It's not about the end goal. It's not about saying, I'm the best. It's about the process. It's about the process of going through and saying, I'm giving my best for you. And I just gave my best, and there's yet still more you want me to do. So I'm going to look at what we did and how I can learn, and I'm going to step into the next big thing. Because that's the abundant life that he wants us to live in. Evaluate and approve. Am I going too fast? We good? All right. You either just lied to me in church or we're good. Be willing to stop anything. You got two blanks here. Be willing to stop anything, even if it's successful. Be willing to stop anything, even if it's successful. Too many times we hang our hats on the good things that have happened in the past. Listen, our future is ahead of us. God is ahead of us and he is calling us to the work that he's doing that one day this world will be redeemed and we will all be with him in perfect unity. That's where he's calling us. That's where he's leading us. That's where he's guiding us. That's where he's directing us. We look forward. We look ahead and we fight for the future. So that means that maybe something was awesome. Maybe it was something successful. Maybe you did something in the seventh grade that you shouldn't be doing anymore in the eighth grade. Maybe you did something in high school that you shouldn't be doing anymore in college. Maybe there's a habit, maybe there's an opportunity, maybe there's a, a, a hobby, maybe there's a skill that you have that you just look at it and you say, I just enjoy it, but it's holding you back from what's next. Even if you're good at it, even if you've been successful at it, if it's something that God calls you to let go of, you've got to let go of it and you've got to move forward. Embrace change, fight for the future. I'm going to skip these two and no, I'm not because my A-type people will freak. All right. This one is, if it isn't expendable, if it isn't expandable, then it is expendable. Whatever we're doing, if it doesn't cause growth in my life, if it doesn't cause growth in the church, if it doesn't cause growth in our understanding of Christ, if it doesn't cause growth, if it doesn't foster life, then it's expendable. So whatever we're doing, if it's locked in because of resource, if it's locked in because of whatever it might be, if it can't grow and it can't foster and promote growth, then it's expendable. And it's something that we've got to stop. Thirdly, investigate everything. Investigate everything. It makes people a little bit cautious when you say this, but it's just what it is. Question everything. Just because it's something that you've always understood or something that you've always done, it doesn't hurt to question it, to look at it, to refigure it, to analyze it, to reevaluate it, and see if it's something that should stay in your life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15, it says this, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. Look for new ways. Because what is God doing? He's always doing something new. Revelations, he's calling us what? To be new, that we will, everything will be made new and whole. There's always a new way to do something. Question what you've done. Find new ways to do it so that you can do it with excellence and for God's glory. All right, this core value right here. 
Do the unexpected. This last one we'll talk about tonight. Do the unexpected. Do the unexpected. The worship team can go ahead and come up. This is what it means for us as a church, and this is what it should mean for me as a follower of Christ and for you as a follower of Christ. Do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. Do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. And I'm telling you to do the unexpected. Do what will shock people, not out of shock value. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying let's do something crazy just out of shock value. I'm saying do the things that you're called to do as a follower of Christ to expose people to God's grace and mercy. Do the things that people don't expect you to do so that people can see and understand that God is working in unexpected ways. Because he's there and he's at work. So do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. I got these questions in your notes. But think about it personally. What is something that your neighbor least expects from you as a Christian? As a Christian, what's something that your neighbor least expects from you? Least expects you to do? So that you can show them God's glory and show them who Jesus is. If it's something that points to Jesus and highlights his goodness and his faithfulness, do it. Do it. What is it that culture least expects from the church? We've got to be willing to do those things and engage in them. Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 30. says this, give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Is that the way culture operates? It asks us to do the opposite. What is it that culture would do? Do the unexpected. Why? Because it points to him. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Is that how culture operates? Is that our natural desire? It is, isn't it? It's counterintuitive what he's calling us to do. It's unexpected. Verse 32, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinner loves those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. It's a powerful thing. Do the unexpected. Do it with a sense of purpose and meaning. To step out. Listen, everything we do, everything we do as a follower of Christ, everything we do as a church is for his glory so that others can come to know him. We each have a unique purpose. We each have a unique identity. We each have a unique role and function in God's purposes and in his eternal plan. And it's a beautiful thing because we're all different and we love being who God's called us to be. Do it with excellence. Do it with a commitment to the things he's called you to do. Embrace the change that he puts in front of you so that you can grow spiritual and personal growth. It is not going to happen without change. Embrace the change and do the unexpected things God's called you to because he's planned for them to be for you to do. He's given you the strength. He's given you the wisdom, the ability to go and do those things. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you, Lord, that you've called us to follow you in this life and to 
give ourselves to you, to live for something that's beyond us, to live for something that's greater than us. Lord, that our days don't have to be about waking up, eating bland food, and going to bed miserable. God, that you've called us to live a meaningful and purposeful life. And that every single day that you are with us, you are walking with us, you're giving us opportunity. There's divine moments of opportunity that you're placing in front of us every single day, in every conversation, in every moment. Father, I pray that you help us as your followers, as people who love you. Help us, Lord, to see those things, to be aware of them, and help us to excel in those things. Help us to embrace the change that we've got to do, to do the unexpected, to do the things that will point to you. Father, help us to live for you in a powerful way. And Father, for anybody in here that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that in this moment that you will speak to them and say, I see you. I love you. You're sitting here thinking you have no purpose, that your life has no worth, and your life has immense worth, and your life has immense purpose in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is say, I see you, and I love you, and he will embrace you as his own. Come on, let's stand and let's sing and worship him in this moment.
Father, thank you that we can call out to you, that we can look to you. God, thank you that you've given us a rich and abundant life to live. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we give it our all, not because you ask of it to earn, but God, because you've given us the chance and the opportunity to live full in your presence, to be fully aware of you. God, I pray, Lord, that in everything we do tonight, everything we do tomorrow, in our Monday and our Tuesday, God, that we do it for your glory, that you delight in us and that we delight in you. God, we thank you for that. We love you and we praise you. And Father, I pray that all my friends from California have an incredible trip. God, they have the best time of their lives. God, may you supernaturally and divinely give them a moment of dream and destiny even this week. Father, help them to discover and to see that there are burgers worth eating that do not have to be soaked in a sauce. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.